Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, folks, I am super excited to tell you a bit about today's new sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, MMC hosts different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Bill Frizzell, Kurt Rosenwinkel, Julian Lodge, Mark Rabot, Wayne Krantz, O'Teal Burbridge, the Milk Carton Kids, and so many more. At an event like Alternative Guitar Summit Camp happening this August, you can expect in-depth workshops with guitar masters, once-in-a-lifetime performances, the opportunity to play alongside your favorite musicians, and a lot of fun. You'll leave this event packed full of wisdom and with a whole community of musicians to create with. This all-inclusive week in the Catskills Mountains of upstate New York is guaranteed to be magical. Scholarships are available. Spots are extremely limited. So visit www.alternativeguitarsummitcamp.com moods to learn more. Osiris. Moods and Modes is presented by Osiris Media and made possible thanks to our Patreon community. To support the podcast directly, go to patreon.com slash Alex Skolnick. From Brooklyn, New York, this is Moods and Modes. I'm your host, Alex Skolnick. I'm probably best known as a professional guitarist. I'm also a writer, a photographer, and someone who occasionally gets told to keep his opinions to himself on Twitter. This podcast will involve music and guitar, but it may take us to some unexpected places as well. So, thank you for joining me, and let's do this. Hello, moody folks. Hello, modal folks. And you're listening to the sounds of the Jane Getter Premonition, her latest album, Anomalia. And I'm very proud to be a part of this record. The double guitar parts, you could hear that is her and myself. 
along with uh, Adam Holtzman on keyboards, Gene Lake on drums, and Mark Egan on bass. And we'll get into some more details about the music shortly. But first, I should mention, this is Moods and Modes episode 34. It's been a while, I know. I've been on tour a lot. (laughs) So I thank everybody for putting up with my schedule. It seems to be about a month an episode lately. Originally, it was going to be every week, then it was every two weeks. Now it's more like a month. But this is the year of making up for lost time on tour. And coincidentally, I am about to embark on another tour. This is one with our guest, Jane Getter. So as I speak to you, we're about 48 hours from departure. So if it seems like I'm rushing through this, that's why. I really wanted to get this episode done and out into the world and let folks know not only about Jane's music, she's been on the list to do an episode with for quite some time, but also to share news of this upcoming tour, especially for those of you on the European continent. This tour will last about two weeks. Most of the dates are in Germany. There are a few in Austria and one in the Netherlands. At some point in this episode, I will try to shout out all the dates. But just in case, the dates are available on Jane's website. And you can check my own social pages as well. And I want to say a few words about the tour that just wrapped up. As many of you know, I was on the Bay Strikes Back tour. And we completed our final run. It was fantastic. I know I saw a lot of you out there and it was a blast. So as soon as I'm back from these dates with Jane, I'm pretty sure I'll be able to do more than one episode a month. I can't promise, but that is my plan. In the meantime, there is a great episode almost ready to be dropped. I think it's going to drop while I'm away and you're not going to want to miss it. It's somebody very exciting. Not a classic act, but a current act, but somebody I think most of you have heard of. It's also fun to let people know about musicians that more people should be aware of, like Jane Getter. Now, before we bring her in, just a brief rundown about how we know each other, and you'll hear some of this during our conversation. But just in case, we met through Adam Holtzman, the keyboardist for Jane Getter Premonition, and they are a power couple of jazz rock and prog. In fact, they have a son, Russell Holtzman, who is a new generation drummer that you'll be hearing about. So they're really a power family. So Jane has some history in the New York area as a straight ahead guitarist with artists like Jack McDuff, the organ player. But her own group, the Jane Getter Band, had more of a rock fusion edge. And then most recently, she's been doing The Premonition, which has prog as well as jazz and rock elements. I was very honored to be brought in when this project launched around 2015. It's hard to believe it's been about seven years already. And the first album, of course, has Jane on guitar and vocals and all compositions, too. Very unique compositional style. And Adam's on keyboards. Chad Wackerman is on drums. Brian Beller on bass, who I just saw the other night with the one and only Joe Satriani. And last but not least, there is yours truly on second guitar. But there are also several special guests, including Corey Glover of Living Color. Now, the thing about a band like this is everybody's got crazy schedules. You know how my schedule is. Although it's kind of amazing how many shows we've been able to do together over the years in between my other tours. (laughs) In fact, I'll never forget this one show. I think it was 2017. 
where I wrapped up a Testament tour in Europe. And our final show was the Wacken Open Air Festival. That's this annual festival in Germany. It's like a Coachella of metal that brings in about 80,000 people. It's usually headlined by Iron Maiden or Guns N' Roses or somebody like that. And the next day I met up with a horn player. He was not part of this band, but he was on his way to Schwaz for the Outreach Festival, which is an annual week of jazz workshops in Austria. And there are concerts at night. And Jane and Adam and Mark Egan, our bass player at the time, were teaching at the festival and performed. And I met them and we did the show. And it was quite surreal, but it was awesome. And we since performed at the annual Progstock Festival in New Jersey and all over the United States. This will be my first time playing with the band in Europe, other than that one outreach festival concert. And as I mentioned, the lineup does change sometimes. So there's a fairly new lineup for this European tour. Uh, Matthias Bosi on drums, Paul Frazier on bass, myself on guitar, Adam Holtzman on keys, all of us fronted by Jane Getter. Now, just one more thing before we cut to our conversation. Let's hear one more clip this is the track Cryptone, which opens the latest album. And I think this one really captures the vibe of the project. Check out the trade-offs between Adam and Jane. is my crunchy riff underneath them and i do a little bit of improv later but you'll have to check out the track again it's called cryptone so you'll hear more about this during our conversation and without further ado here is my talk with the one and only jane getter so we are about to embark on a european tour i guess I want to start by talking about that. It's going to be all over Germany and yeah. Austria. Germany, Austria, and Netherlands. Yeah. Netherlands. It's a, yeah. just a two-week tour. be a lot of fun, I hope. <laughs> I think we're going to have a good time. I think we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it'll be great to get the music to a place where it's, you know, like the, the real deal of the music where everybody's not, you know, a little bit unsure, the next section or whatever, you know, people are just doing it with, you know, even more confidence and being able to put something else into it other than just making sure they're playing the right, the right parts and stuff. You know? Yeah, there's no exception to just being able to not think yeah. and play. Right. There's just nothing like that. Right. I mean, that's our goal, right? We spend all this time practicing yeah. and thinking about what we're practicing and playing with the goal of when you actually play live or record live, you don't, you don't want your brain interfering. You just want to you want to get into the zone of... Uh, yes. Your... And some music is easier to get to that place with than others. Yes. <laughs> right, right, right. And the music we're doing, it's great. Your tunes are so good. Oh, thank and they're you. And so, they're great to listen to. They're not easy to play. So, <laughs> I mean, the elements of jazz, rock, and prog. Mm-hmm. And a little metal. Definitely, definitely. 
Hello. That's where, <laughs> that's where I come in. <laughs> well, you are you are the, the perfect guy, you know, or perfect person to be the second guitar player in my band because of your metal playing and your jazz background and your rock background and everything, because all those elements are in my music. I like to play metal, but I'm not like a metal player. So I wanted, you know, I, I love having a real authentic metal player in there. Uh, yeah, I was kind of surprised when we first started doing this mm-hmm. that there was so much of that element there with the crunchy riffs and mm-hmm. the metal tone. Was that something you always saw doing in your music or is that more of a, a recent thing and you just wanted to put that in? That whole thing, I think, was just sort of a gradual development in my writing. I started really, really loving the heavy riffs and the intensity of that. You gave me a metal lesson a long time ago. Do you remember that? No, I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. An actual metal lesson? <laughs> yeah. We went over um, a couple of Metallica songs and, you know, you oh. showed me how to play them. I can't remember which ones now. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I know. Yeah. I might have shown you For Whom the Bell Tolls. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. So that was obviously when, I mean, when we first started playing together that must have been 2014 or something because mm-hmm. the album was yeah. re- uh, on was recorded in 2015 yeah so on was the the first album we did together yeah that was in 2015 yeah and um, yeah it must have been around that time mm-hmm. i remember you asking me about riffs and yeah um, i don't know if i had mentioned it then we have a mutual friend mimi fox right that we both know well and mm-hmm. One time, way back before I'd even moved here, when mm-hmm. I was still learning how to play jazz, mm-hmm. we did a lesson. Mm-hmm. But it was an exchange, exchange lesson. Uh-huh. She's right. Like, right. She said she, she had to play a strat on some gig, had no idea what to play. <laughs> <laughs> didn't grow up with rock. And she didn't grow up with rock? Thought, what did she grow up no. with? No. That was not good. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, who doesn't just, grow up with rock? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like... Playing her like Cream and Hendrix flicks, and <laughs> it was like kind of over her head. I was like, "Start with this," mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we did a lot. Yeah, and she really helped me, you know, because I was still kind of new to jazz at that mm-hmm. point, and it was it was a really cool like exchange. So. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that well, was a long time ago. Yeah, when and when we got together, obviously, you know, like you know the songs, and you, you just were asking me about you know specific. Yeah, like technique and and, uh, certain, you know, technical things and approaches, really, which I'm still learning. You know, I'm still Mm -hmm. trying to capture that, the authenticness of that. You know, when I was first started playing, I was into blues and folk, but I always listened to rock, but I Mm -hmm. never really played it, which is probably because being a girl, there wasn't that many girls playing rock then. Very different than now. Very different than now. You what know. sparked the early interest in guitar? The blues and the like. Any, any particular artists? Yeah, I was really into folk and blues too. You know, like country mm-hmm. blues on acoustic guitar, Mississippi John Hurt, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and um, Crosby, Stills and Nash. You know, uh-huh. and I would just sit around playing acoustic guitar and singing. Oh, and then the Grateful Dead, actually, mm-hmm. Jerry Garcia. Actually, his approach to soloing, I kind of figured out just by ear, you know, the major pentatonic scale over that stuff. And I used to start, I I was starting to mess around with that. And then a friend of mine took me to see Joe Pass play solo, Mm -hmm. which blew me away. 
And I was like, I had never could have imagined the guitar played like that. And I said, I want to do that. And so I studied jazz guitar. I was in college and I kind of dropped out so I could just practice for six hours a day. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of started getting into like, I had always been writing music, you know, ever mm-hmm. since high school. And my jazz writing started getting a little bit kind of what's the word intellectual you know because i was adding elements sure. of like contemporary classical music and i'd play these gigs and i'd look out in the audience and people would be sitting there going hmm very interesting you know oh, that yeah. kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> and i didn't really get a whole lot out of that and then i got the gig with jack mcduff the, the great organ the great jazz player. blues organist yeah, who was one of the, you know, the swingingest yeah. one of the swingingest guys ever you know musicians ever and you look out in the audience, everybody clapping and having a great party and clapping their hands. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it just kind of did something to me where it's mm-hmm. like, wow, you know, my music that actually can affect people in a really positive way. And I got a lot back from that. And so my music started getting more into groove oriented stuff. And then I started incorporating, you know, some backbeat stuff. And then that's when my mm-hmm. rock, you know, and I've always loved rock. And my love of rock started coming into my playing. And then, you know, hearing Return to Forever and Mahavishnu, right. you know, was like, oh, yeah, okay. That changed everything. That changed everything. <laughs> and even, you know, John Schofield's Blue Matter, you know, that was mm-hmm. another another biggie oh, for me. Oh, great record. Yeah, 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 another biggie for me. And then I started getting into prog and metal. <laughs> but I think that era of Schofield that you were talking about, mm-hmm. that, that really has a cult following. You know what I mean? Like, well, his newer fans, I don't think, are as aware of that. I mean, there's also so many periods of Schofield. I mean, he's done, you know, so many oh, straight yeah. head albums. Oh, yeah. and, and when I listen to this stuff when he played with Miles, it's like so killing back then, you know? And yeah. it's just, I just love to hear him use that approach some more, you know? And he's still playing unbelievably. Oh, yeah, he's still... You know it's him immediately <laughs> when yeah, he plays. But, but there's something about that period. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blue Matter, Still Warm. Mm-hmm, still Warm, yep. Mm-hmm. That whole, I guess, early 80s era mm-hmm. and I think, Scofield. And that's when he played with Miles, too, right? And Decoy. It was around the same Decoy, time, yeah. yeah. The solo on Decoy is just, like, <sighs> incredible. Yes. That was kind of how I discovered him. Oh, so you go from Jerry Garcia to Joe Path, which is kind of a big jump. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the Jerry Garcia thing, right. And I was always a, a big Almond Brothers fan. You oh, know? yeah. And then Joe Pass. And then, um, you know, Wes Montgomery was my guy, my mm-hmm. favorite jazz guitar player. And he still is. And then, you know, of course, then Hendrix, Jeff Beck, Jimmy Page, and then Robin Ford. Yeah, and Robin Ford is on some... Really cool miles, early 80s yeah. miles. Yeah, well. I used to sit, oh my God, when we had our, our rehearsal studio down on Rivington Street, I would put on Robin's album, Talk to Your Daughter. Yeah, I had that. Yeah, and try to I match his tone, you know, because mm-hmm. he had the best tone with those Dumble amps. And I would just like play along and play his solos with him and really like I spent so much time trying to get that sound, you know, which is like impossible unless you have a Dumble amp. <laughs> It's impossible, yeah. <laughs> but it's very helpful to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we're playing with Adam, and I know you threw Adam. Right. And I don't, I don't think I ever found out how you and Adam met. 
This is a funny story. Oh, yeah. God. I wish he was here to help tell me. Yeah. <laughs> now, where are you both from? Too? Are you both from the um, city? Well, he was born in the city, yeah. in New York City, and until he was about 12, and then he moved to L.A. And mm-hmm. then he moved back to New York in the 80s. Uh, mm-hmm. Late 80s, I think. Yeah, I think late 80s. And I'm from New Jersey, and mm-hmm. I moved into the city in the early 80s. And I didn't know you were from Jersey. Which yeah, part of Jersey? South Orange, the oranges. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so I, that's interesting. I didn't know you were from out there. Yeah. So you moved to the city. Yeah. So one time when I was over at Mike Stern's house, there was this guitar player from L.A. there called Jeff Richmond. And I met him, you know, just said hello or whatever. It wasn't, wasn't anything. Can we back up one second? Yeah, so sure. You're, <laughs> you're at Mike Stern's house. <laughs> another great who played with Miles. Right. Another great yeah. who played with Miles. I was rehearsing with Laney. Actually, Laney Stern. Yeah, Laney Stern, and who's also you know right great musician, great musician, totally composer. Yep. And so Jeff Richmond was there, so you know they introduced us, blah blah blah. And then I was living on Eleventh Street in my studio apartment, and um, I was screening my calls for various reasons because you know the answering machine. Remember the answering mm-hmm. machine? <laughs> answering machine. Well, yeah, might have to. I'll explain what those are for, for the kids. I'll, I'll do an insert. <laughs> um, and so Jeff Richmond calls and is leaving a message. I'm at a, a friend of mine's house, place down the street, wondering if you want to meet us for dinner. And mm-hmm. something told me to pick up. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't interested in Jeff Richmond, you know, romantically or whatever, mm-hmm. but I just, something told me to pick up. And that friend is Adam. So we met at the local Japanese restaurant. So we're talking and Jeff is, you know, telling me about all his gear. And then it comes out that Adam played with Miles, right? Mm-hmm. And I actually saw him play once with Miles or twice, actually, I think. So this is that same time this period. Is, yeah, this is late 80s. Yeah, he, you know, he was playing with Michelle Petrucciani at that time. So mm-hmm. he wasn't with Miles. He was in with, he was at, okay. uh, with Miles in mid 80s, mid to late. So four years. That's there. right. Yeah. That's right. I didn't recognize him. And I was like, oh, wow, I played with Miles. Okay, so you'd seen the show with Miles Davis and Adam had played keyboards, but you didn't recognize him. I didn't recognize him. I'm not like a gear nerd. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. get impressed with people that have a lot of different gear and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But I am impressed with somebody that played with Miles. Of course, who wouldn't be? (laughs) (laughs) So then Hiram Bullock was playing that night. So another great player. You know, and um, never knew him. You I never knew of. him. Oh my god! Um, yeah, I think he. We lost him like among the first years I was here. I mm, remember hearing about it. Yeah, but, yeah, that was so sad. Yeah, I'd heard him on records, mm-hmm. and I'd heard him on. I think I'd heard him with Marcus Miller. He right, and on, he was in the first Letterman band too. That's right. And I he knew would him he would come that. on stage yeah. barefoot. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Sounds like a real character. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, so we went to see, the three of us went to see Hiram. And Hiram always did these great covers, Beatles songs and you know, Bean mm. Burrito. I mean, like all these these really cool covers. And Jeff was saying, oh, you know, I wish he would do some more originals. But Adam and I were just really grooving on whatever he was doing, you know, drinking cognacs and having a ball. So we were connecting. Mm-hmm. And then it was time to leave. And it was kind of like one of those Woody Allen, I think, was it Hannah and her sisters? You know, it's like, well, you're going to be dropped off first. So I'll hang back. No, let me, no, I'm going to be 
I'm going to be dropped off first because they both wanted to be the last one in the cab with me. Oh, got so, it, got it. So that was really <laughs> funny. <laughs> anyway, so it turned out that Adam lived like a block away from me and he offered to record a demo of one of my songs, which I hadn't done that any of that yet. And then he left on tour with Michelle. It left mm-hmm. me with this demo of my song. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, you know, so that's pretty much how I met. <laughs> oh, that's a very cool story. Yeah, and then I met him because I took a few years and studied at the new school, and he was mm-hmm. teaching his electric miles ensemble. Right, which he still does, actually. Which he still does. Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing. I've since heard, you know, the, the networking is one of the most important parts about going to college, like whenever you go mm. to college. And even though I was little past i was like 10 years past college mm-hmm. age right it's incredible like the relationships i, I made there at the school right. Ofer, Ofer, right. who was in the class right Ofer right. Asaf, right 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 i'm still playing with right who plays in adam's band now too yes mm-hmm. and actually I, I think i helped reunite them because no. <laughs> they hadn't seen each other in forever and i right. said oh i'm playing with adam insane thing mm-hmm. and, and my trio drummer matt he wasn't in that class, but mm-hmm. he was in the same program. Mm, so, mm-hmm. and, and there's other musicians and other instructors. I mean, it's just kind of amazing, you know, and that's how we're playing together. Right, and, you know, right, just, right. Well, and also, you know, when you start playing jazz and you're learning how to play jazz, you got to play with people. In it's ter- interactive. It's totally yeah. interactive. And the improvisational aspect of it, you know, soloing, you know, you don't get that in your room, you know, so. Yeah, I yeah. think after a certain point when you've done it, you know what it's like right. to play with it. Right. And you can sort of recreate that in your head. At That's least. right. That's right. But initially. I feel like I've only mm-hmm. in recent years figured out how to do that. Mm. I mean, for the longest time, I was very dependent on playing with other people. So I'm just trying to remember. So when we first started playing, it was with Bruce, right? Yes, I think so. Yeah, I think the first time you and I played together was with Bruce Arnold. Right. Small world because I had played with Stu. The first right. music outside of heavy metal that I ever did was with Stu Ham. Mm-hmm. Shortly after I moved to New York, I met up with Stu because I think he was coming through with Satriani. Mm-hmm. And he introduced me to his old friend, Bruce, mm-hmm. who's in New York. And they were roommates. And anyway, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a total small world thing. That then, totally mm, is. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, it's funny. I had met Vernon mm. out on the road at some point. I think early 90s. I think we were uh, like on the same festival at some point. Mm-hmm. And then uh, started running into each other out here. I had no idea you guys knew each other. And then Vernon, you know, and Corey both end up being special guests with us, which is so cool. Oh, yeah. That was like a dream come true. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, Adam knew Vernon. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's how that, you know, I got connected oh, with Vernon. Good. And I asked him to be a special guest with us for a few shows at the Iridium. And then he recorded, he's the solo on the song Dissembler off of our new album. Off the new album. N- yeah. Anomalia. I must have gotten Corey's number from Vernon then. Mm -hmm. And he's, I mean, I've always loved his voice. He's always been the perfect combination of rock, gospel, blues, 
you know, it's just like, which is what I love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he agreed to be special guest on On, the album On. I was like so thrilled, you know, to do that. And I was so thrilled to play with Vernon, too. Yeah, yeah. They, they both sound so good. On the oh, it was so fun, the three of us at the Iridium doing those trades. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was, like you said, like a kid in a candy store. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Such so a good fun. time. And the players on the first record that was really fun because i i know i did most of that with you and mm-hmm. we were recorded in the I, studio mm-hmm. yeah chad on drums chad wackerman and, yeah and brian beller and, and brian beller mm-hmm. that was a really cool lineup yeah and for the next record well first of all what's the title mean i don't even know anomalia <laughs> yeah well it's sort of the foundation for the word anomaly okay I mean, that mm-hmm. word came from a few different places. I mean, musically, it's my music is hard to really put in one category, I find, except for just progressive. You know, it just got so many, lots of different influences in it you know, because of I love so many different styles of music and it just sort of comes out in my writing. And also, as a woman, you know, I don't really know too many other women that do what I do. So I kind of feel, you know, in the prog world, I mean, mm-hmm. is there, do you know of another female guitarist, band leader in the prog world? I don't even know. It's pretty rare. Mm-hmm. I got to know one recently. Her name's Sally Gates. Sally and she's Gates. from New Zealand. Oh, okay. And she's doing a project. Kenny Grahowski mm. plays. With, oh, really? Hmm. And also Trevor Dunn. Oh, we all got to check her out. Yeah, but it's a little more on the avant-garde mm-hmm, side. Mm-hmm. I think prog fans would like it, but it's definitely a little more sort of downtown mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Zornish. Okay. But as far as, yeah, like kind of jazz rock and prog. Yeah, there's very, very few. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't like to put myself in that category because I just want to be mm-hmm. known as a player and as a writer, you know? Yeah. But it's... It's just a reality. It's I mean, just I how it happens. That's just yeah. how it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the prog side of things, we have done this prog stock festival a few times, mm-hmm. which has always been really cool. Yeah, the people that go to it are just you know serious fans, and they buy a lot of merchandise, a lot of merch because <laughs> yeah. they're they're into physical product. You know, yeah, they're yeah. still into physical product. I mean, a lot of times I would say, "Hey, you want you know, I want a copy of my new CD? Somebody I hadn't seen in a while or whatever," and they're like. Uh-huh. Well, I don't really have anything to play it on, you know. <laughs> like, okay, well, you can stream it, you know. Yeah, and we're doing, uh, speaking of prog, we're doing a King Crimson. Tune, right, right. Which is really cool. Yeah, the Court of the Crimson King. I've, I've never played a King Crimson song. Yeah, right, right. I know. It's really fun. I mean, it's such a great song. That song is so great. So great. And not that hard to play either. Yeah. So that's nice. And I love playing Dance of Maya. Oh, yeah. Which is very hard to play. Yeah, I know. And it's, you know, when you play, you just kind of throw in one of those covers that people Mm -hmm. know and love. They're just like, yeah, you know, they just love it. So it's nice to have that in there. Yeah. And I think in Europe, it's going to be great. And I hope you're enjoying this conversation with the wonderful Jane Gatter. It is that time. We usually take a very short intermission on or around the half hour. First things first, for our European friends, I know you're out there. 
Let me read the dates for the upcoming tour of Jane Getter Premonition. November 3rd, Reichenbach, Germany. November 4th, Jena, Germany. November 5th, Passau, Germany. November 6th, Vienna, Austria. November 7th, also Vienna, Austria. One of those is a clinic, I believe. November 8th, Linz, Austria. November 9th, Firth, Germany. November 10th, Rüsselheim, Germany. November 12th, Tilburg, Netherlands. And November 13th, in Hamburg, Germany. And we did some housekeeping up front. The only other thing I want to say is to encourage everybody to vote. Election day is going to happen while we are away. This is a crucial election. There are election deniers on the ballot. Um, Who knows what will happen if they win. So it's kind of scary. So please, whatever you do, vote. And before we get back to our conversation, another clip of music. There are going to be a few more clips on the back half of this episode. This is a tune you heard earlier where Vernon Reed took that solo. That was the end of Dissembler. This is the verse, and uh, this is one of my favorite Jane Getter compositions. And here it's sung by special guest Randy McStein. Randy, who is only in his early 30s and plays multiple instruments, has since been tapped by the legendary Porcupine Tree. So we're all proud of him. Here's a bit of Dissembler. some L.A. sessions, right? Stu was on bass. Stu and, and Chad Wackerman. Stu and Stu Chad. Moved, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, then we did a day in the studio with the East Coast Rhythm Section. Yes. Gene Lake, Lake and yeah. Mark Egan and Alex. Yep. Yeah. I still like, I mean, a lot of people do email albums, which, you know, has its place. And a lot of those albums sound great. But I, I love playing live, you know, recording live with a band in a studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's nothing like it. Yeah, there's nothing like it. Mm-hmm. Are there any uh, individual songs you want to talk about? Um, any individual songs? I don't know, some of the songs with vocals. Maybe. Well, you, you always tell a story about the train man story. Oh, always yeah. Interesting. I mean, you've, you've told it on stage, but mm-hmm. for so, uh, maybe for listeners to the okay. podcast that okay. haven't seen well, us live. Right. What, what well, first of all, train man, the song is on the album On, and mm-hmm. Alex plays a killer solo on there. Uh-huh. Too kind. And then we do some fun trades. Then there's a, a real metal section in the middle there, right, Alex? Yeah, it gets, some, that's pretty metal. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's odd time. An odd time, right. Sometimes people ask me what the time signature is, and I'm like, I forget, you know, because I, I don't really think about it. So anyway, the story, how that song came about was I was sitting 
on the New York City subway reading my book and I hear this sort of shuffling of feet coming down the car and I look up and there's this homeless man coming down the car and he sits right in front of me, on, across from me. And he starts talking to whoever's listening or not listening to him, saying all this like really wacky stuff. And I thought to myself, oh man, this is a song right here. So I started writing down what he was saying. And, <laughs> um, and the lyrics of the song are, a lot of them are just straight from his mouth. Like he was mm -hmm. talking about like, I'm going to write a book and then I'm going to get rich and die. You know, mm -hmm. and he, he was pretending to talk on a cell phone. He was like just holding mm. up a fake cell phone and he was just like yeah. talking in. And he had this one black glove on one of his hands and he was talking about that. And so wow. I was like, oh, wow, this is like, this is really crazy. So, um, real New York moment, <laughs> New York moment, right? right. <laughs> yeah, so I was dedicated to him wherever he, <laughs> wherever he wherever is, he is who, whoever he is. And then Alien Refugee. Yeah, Alien Refugee. That's a story behind it. Yeah, I, um, it was just a fictional story about a Syrian refugee girl that I came up with. And when I wrote it, it was during the whole Syrian refugee crisis. And just kind of really feeling so bad for those people. And, and this story is just something that probably happened, you know, for, mm -hmm. for somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it has a lot more meaning now because there's a lot more refugees now, you yeah, know, yeah. which is also really sad. So yeah, especially this year. Now she must join. And then I have a song called Lessons Learned, which is the single. Mm -hmm. And it's my, actually, I have a lot of live concert videos out there, but I, I have an actual music video, MTV style music video out with this song. And that song is just basically about like, you know, we can't be great at everything and that's okay. You know, just, mm -hmm. just focus on the things that you are great at and not get bummed out and discouraged if you can't do every single thing, you know, in the world. So. Yeah, that's got a great empowering message. It's very clear. Yeah. You must move on. Big 
yeah, so I think uh, before we wrap up, we should talk, just talk about gear a mm-hmm. little bit. Sure. I know you're using this boutique guitar brand, great guitars, but it's a company I think a lot of folks probably haven't heard of, right? Because I think it's all they're all hand built by one guy. Right. right? Is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pompa Moose. The Pika Moose. Pika Moose. Pika Moose. Pika Moose. He's a New York City guitar guy. Oh. Um, I met him when I was with Fender. He was the authorized Fender repair man, and I would bring my Strat into him and also my Telly. So he worked on my guitars for a couple of years, and then he just one day he just surprised me with a guitar that he made for me. And he had it set up the way I like it because he knew how I like you know my guitar set up. And mm-hmm. it's such a versatile guitar. I mean, it's just like amazing. And I use that guitar more than any of my other ones because of the versatility of it and the sound. And it's, it plays great. And it looks beautiful. It's got a red neck fingerboard. It's red. And the staining is this beautiful sort of orangey, reddish kind of sunbursty thing. Yeah, it seems Strat-like. If you don't know it, if right. you see it from a distance, you probably think a Strat it's with humbuckers, a Strat or an, something similar. Right. Yeah, it looks like a Strat. Yeah, it does so much more. Yeah, yeah you can do the real humbucker stuff, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. sounds good. Right. Then my amp is Fuchs F U C H S Fuchs. That's right. Yeah, Fuchs Audio is another boutique shop out of Clifton, New Jersey. Uh, I can't remember how I got turned on to him. I can't remember. Yeah, so I've been using that for a few years. Pretty happy with that. Yeah, they have a cult following. Oh, do they? Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Well, they're definitely, the company is definitely growing because they have a European distributor now, uh-huh. somebody in Germany. Oh, and, okay. and so he's going to be providing an amp for our tour. That's great. Yeah. That's great. It's not the same one that I have, but it's very, very close. So I hope I like it. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I got so lucky because I I got hooked up with VHT pretty recently. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, this new one they have it's sort of based on a Dumble, but not not as giant and and not as costly. Wow! Oh man, I can't I can't wait to try it on the road. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. So yeah, they're able to get me one very similar to the one that I've been using at home, and that's great. And please allow a brief interruption from yours truly. Jane and I both have instruction courses on the platform TrueFire. Jane's has a very distinct description, which she wanted to add, and we weren't able to do in the episode. So I'm going to drop in a clip of Jane that she sent describing her TrueFire course. Here it is. I like to create my own scales and arpeggios that I use for improvisation, which are also the basis for some of the riffs that I write. I have a course on truefire.com, which shows the techniques that I use for creating these scales and arpeggios. And I'll just add that Jane's course is called Scale Design for Improvisation. So the instruction video and then all the albums are available on... Apple Music and Everywhere. Spotify, all the all the streaming yeah. platforms. Jane Getter Premonition. Spotify, you know, Jane Getter Premonition because there's another Jane Getter page on Spotify. Mm-hmm. So I had somebody saying, I couldn't find your new album on Spotify. So I said, you got to do Jane Getter Premonition. I uh, go through the same thing. Mm, right. There's an Alex Skolnick 
page is an Alex Holmes trio page. Yeah. Yeah. And they can't, I tried to get them to merge them, but they can't do that. They can't. So, yeah. It's so annoying. And, um, <laughs> Let's see. And so I'm going to be doing another album next year. I have a lot of material. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of writing during the pandemic. So I've got like over 20 new songs now. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. So it's going to be hard to figure out which ones to record. I still have songs that never got recorded for the Anomalia. So someday, maybe when I retire, which is going to be never <laughs> probably. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs retirement? Yeah, really. <laughs> um, I can, you know, go back and record some of these older songs that never made it to an album. It's a good problem to have too many songs. I think. Right. It is. It is it's much better than not having enough. <laughs> yeah. That's more com that's much more common. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the pandemic was great for for that. Right, right. And you started your podcast. I mean, you know, people um, you know, definitely came up with stuff that they wouldn't normally do, you know, if they were just busy with their normal life, you know, which is cool. So we had all this energy, all this creative energy. We had to right, channel it right, somehow. Right. Um, yeah, so our tour um, starts on November 1st and ends on the 13th. And you can see the tour dates on my website, janegetter.com. And it's upcoming, janegetter.com slash upcoming slash yeah, dates. Right. Oh, you I have it. Memorized <laughs> from Great. posting it. Great. And I'm going to attempt to get this out before. Oh, that'd that. be awesome. I think I, I yeah, should be, that'd be great. able great. to. Yeah. I'm moving hailstorm for you. <laughs> <laughs> it works out great because then while I'm on the road with right. us, the next one's in the can and just yeah, ready to go. Great. So. Yeah, that's cool. And um, this is really fun, Alex. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, James. Yeah. Glad we could do this. And uh, again, I'm so happy that you're playing in my band and you're just so perfect for it oh, and you're such an amazing you. player and all that so um, um i appreciate it i'm sorry i had to miss some this year i know i missed you but um it was a crazy year yeah yes yeah. well thanks for doing this <laughs> thank you so much alex i'll talk to you soon and episode 34 is in the books. It is now 24 hours before the flight leaves and the Jane Getter Premonition Tour begins. And I hope you all have enjoyed getting to know Jane a little bit. The two Jane Getter Premonition albums, once again, are on and the most current Anomalia. I am honored to be on both of those. You can find Jane online at janegetter.com and the socials at janegetter. Moods and Modes is presented by Osiris Media, hosted and produced by yours truly, Alex Skolnick. Osiris production by Kirsten Cluthy and Matt Dwyer. Post-production edits and mixes by Justin Thomas of Revoice Media. Unless otherwise specified, music by yours truly, Alex Skolnick. And the music you're hearing now, joined by Matt Zabrowski on the drums, Nathan Pack on the bass, artwork by Mark Dowd. And you may have noticed that the music is fading early. It usually goes on for about another minute. While I encourage everyone to tell their friends about Moods and Modes, to hit subscribe or follow, join the Patreon, and so on and so forth. I'm not doing that today because I want to pay tribute to a friend and a friend of the pod. His name is usually among the credits as we do the readout. And I'm talking about Osiris Media's Brad Stratton. We lost Brad a few weeks ago. He was instrumental, pun not intended, 
with helping make this podcast what it is today. I believe there is a GoFundMe page still set up to help support his family, the Brad Stratton Memorial Fund. Thank you, Brad, and rest in peace. Osiris. Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about the April-May 2023 issue of Relics Magazine. It features a Dave Matthews Band cover story with additional articles and interviews with The National, Graham Nash, Wayne Shorter, ALO, Ivan Neville, our friend Eric Krasno and Stanton Moore, Marty Stewart, and much more. Check out the latest version of Relics and subscribe now at relics.com slash DMB. Thanks, Relics. Hey, music fans, we wanted to let you know about Music on the Mountain, a show that will feature Anders Osborne, Dogs in a Pile, and Saints and Liars. This show will be directly after the Divided Sky Foundation's fun run at 2 p.m. on Saturday, May 18th at the base of Akimo Mountain in Ludlow, Vermont. The show is presented by The Phoenix, a national nonprofit organization offering support to those in recovery and anyone impacted by substance use to celebrate recovery. If you're running in the Divided Sky Foundation's fun run, you'll be automatically registered for the show. It's a family-friendly event, and all proceeds from ticket sales and other donations benefit the Divided Sky Foundation. Visit Music on the Mountain, that's musiconthemtn.com, for more info and to get tickets. That's musiconthemtn.com. Hope you enjoy. Enjoy.